Well, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. I am so glad you're joining in today, whether you're at one of our campuses or whether you're watching online at home. Hey, just know that God is with you. And I believe that God has a word for you today. I believe that God wants to speak to all of us. It's not an accident that we are here or joining in today. And I just want to encourage you, you know, that God is at work in our lives and God is the reason that we exist. And for you, thank you for joining in. I believe that God is going to speak and I believe that us as followers of Jesus have this responsibility to focus on him at the beginning of the week and to put him as the priority. You know, as we were shooting that video with the uh, red convertible Ford Mustang, this 1964 Ford Mustang, I discovered something. I discovered that there is kind of this secret group out there, you know. Uh, we were driving, I was with the owner, and we were driving from Cool Springs to the Natchez Trace. And as we would go, there'd be people with cool cars that would kind of give you like a mm, head nod, you know, or like, hey, what's up? Or people would stop at the stoplights, and people would roll down their windows and say, hey, you know, what year is that car? And, and they'd want to talk, and they would have this conversation. And I was thinking, that never happens in my Honda, right? I mean, <laughs> nobody ever stops and says, hey, about your car. But, but there's this whole group of people out there, and they would say, hey, I, I want a car like that, or hey, my, I have a friend who has a car like that, and, and, and this whole group out there. You know what I've discovered is there's people like that all the time. You know, if you're driving and you watch some motorcycle drivers and they see another motorcycle driver, they kind of give them a heads up, you know, like, hey, man, that's cool, awesome, you know. Or, or if you see a, a, a truck driver, you know, the truck drivers always kind of let the other truck drivers in and then they drive side by side on the interstate. You can't get around. But, but there's just this kind of bond that's happening there. Bikers or, or runners, you see runners coming by and you kind of heads up, man. It's like, keep going. I encourage you. I want to support you. Way to go. You're out here. You're doing it. And the same thing happens on a much bigger level, much deeper level as Christ followers. We're a part of something way bigger than ourselves. We're a part of the family of God. And I don't know if you know this, but, but back in history in the early parts when the Christianity was starting to grow and then there was persecution that would happen, Christians didn't know who was another brother, right? They didn't know if they were a brother or sister in Christ. And so a person would be walking along and they would see somebody and they would be talking, and then they would just take their staff, and they would kind of draw in the sand this oval. And they would just draw the top part of the oval. And if the other person was a Christ follower, if the other person was a believer or a Christian, then they would pick up on that oval, and they would finish it out and make it a fish. The ichthus, which stands for Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. Jesus calls us to be fishers of men. And then they would have this bond and be like, man, that's awesome. You're a believer too. How's your family? How's everybody doing? And it'd be this encouragement, this support that would come. Hey, you're a part of something bigger. God is at work. And today, I just want to encourage you. <laughs> you know, in the middle of 2020, in the middle of all the things that haven't gone maybe as we planned or as we thought, God is at work. And God is doing something bigger than we can see. And we are in this amazing series, you guys, called Forward. And we are walking through one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. It's the book of Philippians. And the Apostle Paul is writing to this church that he helped plant. This church that's in Philippi, one of the leading cities back then. It was in northern Greece, and it was on the trade route between Europe and Asia. It was a wealthy place. But Paul had gone there on a mission trip, and he had led a lady named Lydia to Christ who was wealthy. And she opened up her home, and the church was meeting there. There was a slave girl there. There was a Roman jailer and his family, and the church had grown. And now Paul's writing this letter back to them, and he's writing from Rome, AD 61, and yet Paul's in prison. And he says, 
hey, I thank my God every time I remember you. And all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. 19 times in four chapters, Paul uses the word joy. There's this joy, right? God is at work. And he says, listen, I, I count it joy because of your partnership in the gospel. I may be in prison, but you're not. And you can spread the word of God, and you can share with others. And the church of Philippi was encouraging Paul. They had sent gifts. They had sent letters to him. And Paul's encouraging them, hey, move forward. Don't get stuck. Don't stay where you are. Don't live in fear. You live in faith. And for us today, what better message, right? It's so easy to get stuck in 2020. It's so easy to get stuck in the things that haven't gone like we planned. But for us, God's calling us to move forward. God's calling us to reach our full potential. God's calling us to be the men and women that he created us to be. And God has a word for us today. So, if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Okay, New Testament, kind of midway through uh, the New Testament and this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, Philippians. Now, last week, we saw the incredible picture that Paul paints of Jesus. You know, in chapter 1, he's talking about joy. Chapter 2, he started off talking about humility how Jesus left the throne room of heaven and came down to us, that he paid the price that we should have paid on the cross. He died for you. He died for me so that when God looks at us, he sees the grace of Jesus and the righteousness of Christ that covers us and that we stand faultless before God because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we left off last week at verse 11, so let's pick up in verse 12 today, and he says, therefore, therefore, since Jesus has done all this for you, you are a new creation in Christ, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, right, church, you know, when I was there with you, man, you were on fire, but now that I've been gone, the church has grown. I mean, there's lots of people here. It's exciting. He says, but now, right, much more in my absence, you've continued to grow, but continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work out your salvation, right? Don't just go halfway. Don't just get excited about your faith and then quit and back away. And he says, no, continue to work out your salvation. Fear and trembling means with reverence, who God is, with respect for what God's done in your life. Hey, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Notice that. It's God who's working in you. I mean, that ought to just blow us away, right? That sovereign God is working in me to will and to act. Now, what we see here is a beautiful picture of salvation, okay? I mean, this is a beautiful picture of salvation because salvation is God's part and man's part. Right, it is God who is sovereign, who's drawing us to himself, who's inviting you, inviting me into this relationship with him. But we also have a part to play. You know, if you go to the doctor and you say, hey, I'm really sick, you know, uh, I, need, I need some medicine. The doctor goes, know exactly what you got. You got this infection, here's some medicine. And you go, huh, I, okay, I don't know if I'm gonna take it or not. Then you go home and you never take the medicine. Are you gonna get better? No. I mean, he's prescribed this for you. Take the medicine. It's like God is saying, I'm drawing you to myself. I have this incredible plan for you. 
but everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That we have a part to play in this redemptive story. That we're called to be involved. So when we are changed, look at verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Wow, that's a powerful verse right there. Some translations say without complaining or arguing. Do everything. And why is he saying that? In light of what Christ has done for you, in light of the salvation that you've received, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. I mean, we are living in a warped and crooked generation. But you know what? They were too back then. Uh, they were living in this warped and crooked generation. Uh, believers back then would many times have to walk like this because uh, they didn't want to look at all the naked statues that were around. You had the Roman Empire. You had Roman orgies. You had Roman baths where a lot of just immorality took place in those Roman baths. And so believers are trying to cover their eyes. Today, it's like right in our face, right? We're in this warped and crooked generation where you've got pornography right there on your phone. You've got just this divisiveness and this anger that, that pervades our, our, our culture. And, and you're like, wait a minute, we should be different. You should be blameless and pure in the middle of this generation, in the middle of what's happening. Hey, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. He goes, hold on to this, keep growing, keep maturing, keep becoming Hold firmly, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I do not run or labor in vain. Paul goes, man, I don't want you guys to walk away and then everything I did, right, for you is in vain. But hey, even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. Now, when he said a drink offering, they would have gotten this, right? Because worship happened, you know, whether it was at the temple or even in pagan temples, uh, many times they would take a, a glass of wine or, or something out and they would pour it out on the altar. It was like this drink offering. It's being poured out there. And Paul goes, if my life's being poured out for you, if my life's being poured out, hey, I am glad and I will rejoice with all of you. That's what I'm investing in. That's what I'm giving my all to. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. You ought to be glad at what God's doing in your life. And then he comes down here, verse 19. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Now, you remember Timothy is mentioned in verse 1 of Philippians chapter 1, right? Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Timothy was Paul's protege. He was his apprentice. He, you know, traveled with Paul. Paul led his mom and his grandmother to Christ back on one of Paul's missionary trips, and they led Timothy to Christ. And now Timothy is like, serving the Lord, going on mission trips with Paul. And he says, I hope to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. So I want Timothy to come and check on how you're doing and things are going, and then he's going to come back and encourage me. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Now, Timothy wasn't his physical son. He was his spiritual son, the spiritual son in the faith. And they were very close. And he says, and I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come. 
soon. He said, man, you know, I hope to send him there so that he sees you. And then Paul's like, and then I hope to get out of prison, right? I believe that God's going to deliver me. I believe that God's going to allow me to get out and be with you. But I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. So the church of Philippi, you know, when they found out Paul was in prison in Rome, they took up an offering and they sent some money. They probably sent clothes. They sent letters of encouragement to Paul, who's under house arrest there to encourage him. So Epaphroditus brings that, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard that he was ill. So Epaphroditus got sick, probably when he was there. And indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. (laughs) Paul's like, man, I prayed and I prayed, and God healed Epaphroditus. And now I want to send him back to you. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy. There's that word again, joy, 19 times, right? And honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. And Paul's like, man, this guy put his life on the line to come and to minister to my needs. Hey, honor people like him. Uh, you know, we live in a culture where we, we want everybody to be safe. And that's important. But, but safety isn't the number one thing, right? Some people will say, well, I really want to go on a mission trip, Jeff. I want to go to the Amazon or I want to go to Moldova. And their first question is this, is it safe? And I'm like, well, I don't know if that should be the first question. The first question should be, is God calling me to it, right? Is God calling me? Because if God's calling me, he's going to take care of me. He's going to protect me. He's going to provide for me. You know, there's risks that we take in life, but are we willing to step out in faith? God's, God's sovereign. He's in control. But I want to tell you, when you get involved in the work of God, God does more things in your life and through your life than you could ever dream or imagine. But don't let safety keep you on the sidelines. Step in if God's calling you and step up because God will do great things through you. Just like he did through Epaphroditus, through Timothy, through Paul, and through us today in this day and in this generation. All right, you guys, if you're taking notes today, uh, I'd love for you to write some things down. So if you've got a journal or if you've got the Rolling Hills app, I would love for you to fill in some blanks today because I think there are four life-impacting truths for all of us to help us move forward in our faith journey right here. I want you to notice these. Number one is this, work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. He says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. See, we have a responsibility in our spiritual life. There's God's part and there's man's part, right? It's not just, hey, I I got saved and then I went back and lived however I wanted to live. You know, I got that box checked. I'm gonna go to heaven. It's no, we have a responsibility to continue to grow in that salvation. Notice it doesn't say to work for, but to work out. You know, we don't work for our salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it's just an incredible verse. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved. It is God's grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works. Not by works, lest no man should boast. It's not like we can earn it. 
It's not like we can be good enough and, and hey, if, if my good outweighs my bad, then maybe God will accept me. No, 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 no. It's the grace of God extended to us. But we have to receive that grace and live in that grace. We don't work for it, but we work out. Now, to work out your salvation requires spiritual discipline. You know, if you want to start working out physically, right, it requires about three things, right? It requires effort. You've got to go to the gym. You've got to go, you know, or you've got to get outside and start to run or what. But you don't go to the gym and go, okay, well, I made it to the gym. I got my coffee. I got my donut. I'm here, right? I mean, no, you've got to put some effort in. You know, you've got to sweat to the oldies. You've got to Work it out. Second thing is you got to have a plan, right? If you're going to work out, you need a trainer. You need a plan. I'm going to do the elliptical. I'm going to hit the treadmill. You know, I'm going to get on the bench. I'm going to hit some, you know, uh, deadlifts. I'm going to go for some buys and some tries. I, I got to have a plan for what I'm going to do. The third thing is discipline. You know, you don't just go to the gym one time and go, check, I'm in shape. Check it out. No, you got to keep going back. You keep going back and you get stronger, you get faster, you get better, you get in shape. But spiritually, to work out our salvation requires spiritual discipline. Now, one of my favorite books is a book from Richard Foster called Celebration of Discipline. And I want to tell you, this is an incredible book. So if you want to pick a book up, hey, jump in here. But he gives us 12 spiritual disciplines to help us grow in our faith, to work out our salvation. He breaks it down into three categories. There's inward, inward, and that's these. Meditation, right? Meditation. And we don't talk about it a whole lot, but man, it's important. And the Bible says, upon my word, I meditate day and night. That means that I, I, I read some passages of Scripture, I let it sit in my mind, and throughout the day, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm letting that permeate my life. Prayer, right? We're in 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. And, and for us to be praying. Now prayer is not only talking to God. God, here's what's going on in my life. Prayer is also listening. God, what are you saying to me? It, it's this conversation with God. And I hope in this 21 days that you're developing this discipline of prayer in my life. I'm waking up five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes early. I'm spending time in prayer. Fasting, right? We've talked about this. Hey, I'm gonna forgo something so when I have an urge for it, I pray. And, and many of you, I love it. I love hearing from people who go, hey, this is my first time to fast. And we're challenging people, you know, during these 21 days to take three times once a week to, to fast. And whether it's from food or social media, and I hope this becomes a part of your spiritual discipline, a part of your routine. Hey, when I want that social media, uh, you know, on one day, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to jump on there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to let God stir in my mind and then study. That's what we're doing right here, right? We're diving into God's Word. We're, we're walking through verse by verse. This is what God's Word says to us. Like getting into a community group. You know, we have group link that's going to be coming up. And, and I encourage you, we're going to have groups that are online. We're going to have groups in person. We're going to have all kinds of different options for you. But there's community groups that you could jump in or a men's study or a women's study. But for us to study God's Word. Those are inward disciplines. Then there's outward disciplines, like simplicity. Simplicity. You know, we live in a culture where it's like, I want more. I want more, I want more, and we get more stuff and more things. And then what happens? We spend all of our time taking care of those stuff and things, right? 
I want a bigger house, and then we have to spend all of our time cleaning the house. I want, I want another car, and then we got to get insurance. I want, I want all this. I want, and we get more stuff and more things, and we don't have time for God. we got to learn how to live simply so that others can simply live, right? Because we spend all of our money on stuff. We don't have money to give. And God says, give our first 10% back to him, and or even more, but, but I can't. I've got all this debt, and, and for us to have simplicity so that we can invest in the things of God, for us to have solitude. That, that sometimes we just have to pull away uh, from the noise, from the world. We have to get alone and, and say, I, I, I need an afternoon. I need a day. I need some time to get in nature and have solitude. Submission. You know, God, it's your agenda, not my agenda. God, I submit my life to you. What do you want to do through me today? And then service. I want to serve. Right? Jesus came to serve. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Who can I bless today? Who can I help today? Who can I serve today? And then there's corporate. And look at these disciplines. Confession. You know, the Bible says confess your sins to one another. We don't like to talk about that. But man, when we confess our sins, there's an accountability that comes. There's a depth in our lives and worship. I'm so glad that you're joining in today. I mean, making worship a priority, starting the week off with the Lord, focusing on Him, my mind's attention, my heart's affection. That's worship. Guidance. Hey, I want to know how to live. I want to know how to live a godly life. I need a coach. I need training. I need pastor. I need help in that. And then celebration. It's celebration. You know, to have joy. And I love that Paul has this joy. His circumstances don't define him. Christ defines him. There ought to be joy in your life, regardless of what's going on in your world, regardless of what's happening around you, that I can have joy because of what Christ has done for me. And when you start looking at these disciplines, it, it changes the way we live. This is that working out process. Here at Rolling Hills, we're about to unveil in the next couple of weeks uh, a discipleship guide to help you. It's called Next Steps, a Disciples Guide, and, and we have daily weekly, monthly disciplines. And I want to challenge you and encourage you. We have a responsibility. Let's work out our salvation. All right, number two, look at this. Move forward in your attitude. Move forward in your attitude. This is what Paul's talking about right here. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Wow. And we think, is that possible, right? You know, and it's like, well, Bible says it, so should be, right? Do everything without grumbling or arguing. And this starts with your attitude. You know that old saying, right? As a man thinks, so he is. And so what we're thinking about is going to come out in our lives. You know, if you think you're going to have a bad day, probably going to have a bad day, right? If you're playing golf, you think you're going to hit it in the water, you're going to hit it in the water, right? It's just the direction of your life. You think you're going to have a great day, you're probably going to have a great day. As a man thinks, so he is. Start with your attitude, See, we grumble and argue when we forget about God. Remember that whole verse 14 is tied back in to what Jesus has done for us. And when we forget that, then we grumble or argue, right? I mean, if we were to look at social media today, we would look at your Facebook posts, we would look at things in our culture, right? People forget about God. And so we post these things, we complain, we grumble, we argue because we forget what we have in Christ. 
If God is with me, hey, who can be against me? God is for me. Does your attitude look more like Jesus or the world? And I think that's a question we all have to ask, right? Because the Bible says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. You should have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So if I were to look at social media, if I were to look at the things I post, if I would listen to the things that I say, if I might, even my thought life were to be able to be laid out, is my attitude more like Jesus or more like culture, more like the world? You know, one of my favorite movies is the movie Remember the Titans. And I don't know if you've seen this movie, but it's an incredible movie, right? And it's based on a true story. Uh, 1971 in Virginia, and they integrated the school. So they, they brought black students in and white students in there. And, and it really focuses on the tension there. And man, I mean, you know, that was 1971. Still today, we have this racial tension. And we're like, wait a minute, that's not the way God designed. We're all loved by God. And, but you see this played out. And then the, the story follows what happens on the football team. And Coach Boone, this black coach, becomes the, the coach there. And there's this poignant moment in the movie where Brotier, who's the leader of the defense, this linebacker, right? And he comes up to this guy, Julius. And Julius, who's this, the black, he's the defensive end, and he's strong. But man, he's just not putting out the effort, you know, like he, he should. But really nobody on the team is. And Brotier's like, hey, man, what's going on? You know, why aren't you jumping in? Why aren't you doing this? And, and Julius pushes back and says, hey, well, why aren't you telling your white guys to to block for Rev, you know, the black quarterback here, why, what's going on with you? And, and, and then Brotier looks at him and says, see, it's your attitude. Julius, you've got all this talent, all this gift, but you have an attitude where it's just for you. <laughs> and Julius looks back at Brotier and he says, attitude reflects leadership, captain. You're the captain of the team. <laughs> attitude reflects leadership. Hey, I just want to say this for a moment, right? If all the time that we complain that, hey, you know, my kids, all, all they do is they grumble or they argue or, or, or my coworkers or my employees or, or why don't people do this? At some point, we've got to stop blaming others. We have to start looking at ourselves. Attitude reflects leadership, Captain. We have to look at our hearts. We have to look at what we're portraying. Are we portraying an attitude of grace, an attitude of love, an attitude of compassion? Are we encouraging? Are we helping others? Or are we breeding that? We can't, can't blame everybody else. We've got to step up and say, hey, I've been called to be different. I need to have the attitude of Christ in my life. Develop an attitude of gratitude. This changes everything where you're thankful. God, look at what you've done for me. God, look at who I am. Look at the way you've provided for me. God, thank you. And it changes. How's your attitude? Right? And then he says, shine your light. When you have that attitude of Christ, you just start to shine, shine. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You know? Hey, the darkness can't hide the light. Darkness can't hide the light. You know, you walk outside and it is a, clear night, right? I don't care how much darkness is out there. You start to see those stars. I mean, that light comes through. The light will penetrate the darkness. The darkness can't hide the light. Here's what Jesus said. 
I am. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Guys, we don't have to walk in darkness. Jesus has stepped into our world. You know, maybe you've been in physical darkness before, but you just can't even see your hand before your face. I mean, it's just pitch black, and what comes? There's this fear. There's this worry. You don't know what's out there. But you know what Jesus says? Hey, you don't ever have to walk in darkness. I've stepped in. There is no spiritual darkness. You don't have to live in fear because Jesus says, I am here. And if our faith is in him, wow, let the light shine in you. The light exposes the darkness. Have you ever been cleaning at your house and you know, you're like, maybe you pull up a rug or something, you're like, whoa, wow, a lot of dirt under there, you know? I didn't see it, and it was dark. I didn't know it was there. But as the light comes into our lives, right, Jesus exposes in our culture, in our world. It's when we like hide our eyes. We don't want to go to those sites because there's darkness there, but also in our own life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, If you have God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? Start here by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. You know what? Jesus comes in. Jesus comes in. And therefore, we're called to live differently than the world in attitude and actions. We are called to be different. We're called to be like stars, right? And are set apart that the light comes through into our world, into our culture. Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. And we're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus, I thought you said you were the light of the world. He goes, yeah, but when you are in me, right? And I am in you, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Guys, we're called to bring spiritual light into our world, into the darkness. We're called to be spiritual light into our homes. We're called to bring spiritual light in our attitude, in our actions. That's what God wants for us. So pour your life into others for Jesus. Pour your life into others for Jesus. Here's what Paul says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, and my whole life is given away, my whole life is invested, Paul's pouring himself out for the church. You know, we talk about this, right? We talk about giving our all, giving our best. He put his whole heart into it. He put his effort into it. What do we do that for? Work? I mean, do you pour yourself out for work? Do you pour yourself out for your favorite sports team? Do you... Pour yourself out for, right, maybe a political candidate. I mean, what, what do you pour? And those things are bad, but where are you pouring your effort? Is it for God's church? Because here's what I want to tell you. I've stood in the hospital with a lot of people as they pass from life to life. And you know what they want, right, as they're laying in the hospital bed? They're not asking for, hey, can you bring me some spreadsheets? They're not asking for, hey, can you bring me, you know, some trophies from when I was in high school or middle school, they're not asking for, hey, can you bring me, you know, even some money? Doesn't matter. You know what they're asking for? 
I just want to be sure I have the right relationship with God. I want to be sure, if there's anything I need to confess, I want to confess it, but I want to be in a right relationship with him. And hey, I want my family here. I want my family here. And, and you know what they're saying? Hey, I want my church. I want people around me. I want people praying for me. I want that community. Those are the things that are going to last. And Paul got it. He figured it out. He said that I'm going to live for the glory of God. And man, when we get that and start investing in those things that really last and really matter and pouring ourselves into them, unbelievable what God will do. And Paul specifically pours into Timothy and Epaphroditus. And I hope and pray you've got some people you're pouring into. If you're a parent, man, it's happening. Whether you know it or not, right? Whether you put an agenda together or not, it's happening. If you're a grandparent, it's happening. You're an aunt or an uncle, it's happening. But can we be intentional and start to say, hey, who are those people I'm going to pour into? Who are the people who are going to take the mantle and live for Jesus? You know what? We all need a Paul in our lives, and we all need a Timothy. <laughs> we all need a Paul. We need people pouring into us and encouraging us and saying, it's okay, brother. It's okay, sister. Hey, move forward. God loves you. But we also need somebody we're pouring into. And that's why it's important to be in a community group. That's why it's important to, to lead like in middle school or in high school or, or work with children or preschool. That, that's why it's so important to be involved in the church and in the community. Because we're all pouring into somebody. But then the question becomes, hey, what are you pouring into others? What are you pouring into others? And I want to ask if you would just be gut level honest for a minute. What are you pouring in to others? What are you pouring into your family or to your friends? Does it look more like culture? Is it more like the world? Or is it Jesus? Are you pouring into them fear or is it faith? Are you pouring into them, you know what, complaining or is it contentment? Are you pouring in grumbling or gratitude? This past Sunday, we had a training for our servant leadership team here at church. Uh, we've got 100 people who said, I want to serve. I want to serve the body. And they're just here to serve the church. They're here to serve in person or online. You have a prayer request, they pray for. You have a care need, they meet it. And they go and help orphans and, and, and widows. And, and they're just there to serve. I mean, that's what they do. And so we had a training. It's our A6 team, our C3 team, our men, our women. And we had, a, we had a meeting, people were there live, but then people were also on Zoom watching in. And this mom comes in and she comes and she has her six-year-old and her four-year-old and they're with her. And she comes back and she sits down and, and she says, hey, I'm so sorry, I had to bring my kids, but childcare didn't work out. And, and we were like, no big deal, we get it, we understand those things happen. And so she sat there for an hour and here's her six-year-old and her four-year-old and, and the hour training of talking about how do we care for people? How do we love people in the name of Jesus? And after the training, you know, people are standing around talking and the six-year-old looks up at her mom and said, so mom, they're teaching you how to love and care for other people so that you can teach us? Mom, will you teach us how to love and care for people? I thought that's it. That's it. How do we teach others how to love and care? How do we teach others how to have faith? How do we teach others about Jesus? Will you pour into others Jesus? Will you pour into others hope? Will you pour into others life? 
Will you come and just draw that oval and say, listen, I am a brother or sister in Christ, and I want to encourage you today. God is with you. God is for you. Don't get stuck where you are. You work out your salvation. You move forward in your faith because there is a God who loves you. I don't know where you are in your faith journey, but I know this, God's here. And God wants to be with you right here, right now. And so wherever you are, maybe today, you just want to say, I want to raise a hand. You can go in the chat room right now. You can just raise a hand and say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to bring glory to Him. I want my life to count for Him. I want at the end of my days to know that I've got my relationship with God right. I've accepted Christ. Maybe you want to talk with somebody or pray with somebody. Go in the chat room right now. There's pastors there. There's people there. They'd love to talk with you. They'd love to pray with you. For all of us, I just want to ask you to bow your head. Just close your eyes just for a moment. And right where you are right now, would you just say, Jesus, would you be Lord of my life? Would you fill me with joy, with gratitude? Jesus, I want to work out my salvation. I want to follow you. I want to grow deeper in you. Maybe today you need to make a commitment, right? Commitment, maybe a first-time commitment to Christ, or, or maybe it's a renewal of your relationship because you've gotten off track. You've let things in the world become more important, and you're missing the things that really matter. Maybe today you just got to check your attitude and say, I want to be a person who starts the day with Christ. I want to encourage my kids. I want to encourage my family. Attitude reflects leadership, and I want them to know that I have the mind of Christ. I'm not perfect, but I'm striving. So Lord, meet us in this moment. Thank you for your word, for your truth. Thank you for challenging us today. And Lord, mold us and shape us to be men after your heart. And women who follow you all the days of our lives. We dedicate our hearts to you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.